The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. We may have more in common with each other than we know, and sometimes that can lead us to similar conclusions and decisions. Now, Tim Whistler talks to people from different walks of life all over the country. I'm Patrice Sikora, here with Tim to talk about what he's heard as people think about life after work. But Tim, let's start with how do people come to you? How do they find you? Yeah, they, it's, uh, it's interesting, Patrice. They come to us from a multitude of sources. Um, obviously, we have our wonderful base of podcast listeners. Um, we have also provided um, some educational workshops here where we're located. Uh, we also have a tremendous amount of response to our radio ads here locally in central Illinois. People hear about us or maybe do a, a Google search. They'll find us on the internet. Uh, also some virtual events. And I'm also so blessed to say that we also get a uh, nice number of referrals from current clients. All right. So we're talking not just in town. We're talking from pretty wide geographic region. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yep. We are. We are. I'm blessed to say right now that as of this recording, we have clients in six different states. Oh my! So it's 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 quite the honor to be able to say that, and I'm very humbled by that because we have uh, been speaking to a lot of people all across the country, literally coast to coast. Um, and uh, now we have a, a good handful of clients who are are now officially working with us in different states. So it's fantastic. Of all these clients, you mentioned there's a common theme. Usually, it's their stage of life, perhaps. But talk to us about that. You know, it, it's very interesting. You know, th- th- I would say that the the commonality is that they have concerns about the retirement plans, and it's it's for both sets of people for for the group of people who are already retired, or for those who are about to retire. So, you know, it, it's like we we've talked before, you know, about this fragile decade, this this five years prior to retirement, the five years after retirement. So, for those who have already retired, they've already kind of put away the 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 nine to five, and and they're now officially retired. You know, unfortunately, 2022 was a very painful reminder of what can happen when their funds don't reside within a within a volatility buffer. And then for the second group, for those who are about to retire, you know, maybe they're a few years away, maybe a few months away, you know, they may have seen the value of their 401k, their 403b, maybe their 457 plans impacted by last year's bear market. And they simply, you know, want to know what to do in order to protect their assets when another 2008 or another 2022 occurs. And they may be putting off their retirement a little bit after they saw what happened to their accounts. A very, very legit. Yep. There could be a few people out there who are putting plans off on temporary hold for right now. Absolutely. Now you mentioned volatility buffer. What's that? Uh, <laughs> that one actually is, is I'm going to give that a shout out to, to one of my resources. I mentioned earlier about virtual events and, and I'm so honored to be able to be affiliated with one specific entity called the Institute of Financial Wellness. They're based down in Florida. 
Uh, I work with Eric and Scott and the rest of the entire talented team of people who put me in front of prospects uh, on a very, very consistent basis. And Eric and his team do, do such a great job because they put out a basically like a different social media if you will, they, they put out different ads and uh, in, invite people to attend, you know, a webinar that they put on that Eric and his team puts on. And, and the reason why I'm giving him this shout out is because he coined the phrase, at least I heard about the phrase volatility buffer from him. And uh, so, so really now that I've given credit where credit's due now, what is it? It's basically, you know, where, when we are in that time of life, when we're taking withdrawals, we need to make sure that we understand the dangers of taking income from an asset that is exposed to volatility. So if we can have quote unquote, a volatility buffer that can now protect us, or maybe give us another source, if you will, for which to take income from that source while the markets are volatile. So, you know, that, that buffer can take the form of a few different vehicles, but at the end of the day, you know, we carefully, um, you know, recommend the ideal and the appropriate appropriate vehicle as a result of the fact finding or the, the discovery conversation on our first conversation. Earlier, you mentioned that the people you talk to have a common theme. They've got concerns about their current, their future retirement income plans you were just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about a few of these concerns you hear about. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm going to start off with them. Probably the most common one. I really don't keep a tally or a survey of these, but I, but I have to believe that the number one concern Amongst a lot of people, again, you know, multiple states, different levels of education, doesn't really matter. That number one concern, I think, on most people's mind is the fear of outliving their money. You know, and, and what I see quite often, again, is that this concern, and it's regardless of the prospect's total investable assets, whether it ranges somewhere between, you know, maybe 300,000 all the way up to 3 million and maybe somewhere in between. It really doesn't matter because I think. I think Patrice, 2022 woke up a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, prior to this, they were working with an advisor who helped them avoid significant damage to their account values. You know, but they but they realized that hey, you know, 2008 was was a long time ago, and we really can't expect to enjoy bull markets for extended periods of time. And and so for those who are kind of listening, if if you have pen and paper, write this down because I think this phrase right here is so critical for people to understand when it comes to helping maybe eliminate or manage that fear about living their money. And write this down. The markets can remain volatile longer than I can remain solvent. Ooh, that hurts. It does hurt a little bit. It stings a little bit, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) You know, that's the beautiful thing about a podcast. I can share this through a podcast because I don't like to share it in person too often. (laughs) (laughs) But because it is, it stings. But it's, if you stop and think about that, the damage that can be done in a volatile market, it, it can be significant from the standpoint of, okay, how much is going to go down? How long is it going to last? You know, then you compound that with taking income from an asset that is losing value, not because you're taking withdrawals, but it's losing value because of the volatility involved. Hence the importance of having such a vehicle like a volatility buffer. What do you tell them when they come to you with this concern? It's a valid concern. Out with <laughs> well, you know, what, what we do is, is again, we, we are, you know, I used the, the term discovery conversation just a few minutes ago, and that's exactly what the first conversation that we have is all about. 
So just to kind of give you an example, maybe of, of a recent husband and wife that we started working with, we'll just call them John and Jane, just to keep it simple. Okay. You know, John has a 401k. Uh, he has an IRA from a previous employer and he has a Roth, right? He owns those three accounts. Then his wife, Jane has a 403b because she worked for a, a non-for-profit and she also has a Roth IRA. And then jointly, they have a, a joint, what we call non-qualified account and they have some money in the bank. Okay. They both will qualify for social security benefits with both of their full retirement ages being at 67 based upon their years of their birth. And then also John has a pension. Okay. So let me stop. Let me stop right here and pause. So what were the different types of accounts that they own? They, they own tax deferred accounts. They own taxable accounts. They own tax-free accounts. And they also have two sources of lifetime income. So when John and Jane are looking at statements, they see assets, 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 lifetime income, lifetime income. So that's what the discovery conversation is for, because whenever I hear somebody at the beginning of our conversation, share with me their concerns, because the reason why they do that is because I ask them to, right? We're going to talk about why are we having this conversation? What inspired you to reach out? What was it about the radio ad that you heard? What was it about the referral you received? What was it about the webinar you attended? Why are we talking here today? Okay, well, they're going to start sharing concerns. So when I hear those concerns about the fear about living their money, this is where I firmly believe the, 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 the fear stems from. And again, write this down as well. Retirement is not about assets. It's all about income. So therefore, the withdrawal strategy is critical. So here's what I see, Patrice, over, over these conversations that I have. Far too many people are being advised, um, maybe from a, of a professional, or maybe they're self-directing themselves where they have an if-come plan. Not an in income plan, but an if-come plan. And here's what I mean by that. If this happens, and if this happens, and if this happens, we should be okay. All right? Unfortunately, when they follow this strategy, their portfolio is going to dictate their retirement lifestyle. So for example, Patrice, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second with a very simple question. Okay. If you had a choice between these two options for your portfolio to dictate your lifestyle or for you to dictate your lifestyle, which would you choose? It's not difficult. Nope. Exactly right. <laughs> oh, it's me, baby. It's going to be me. That's exactly right. But again, you know, what I see far too often is the fact that everybody wants to be in that driver's seat, but because of the fact that their portfolio is not properly aligned, their portfolio is dictated in the lifestyle. So therefore, when I go back to John and Jane, what we've done for them is once we understand the elements of the assets that they own, the income that's forthcoming, social security, John's pension, then also their concerns, we're able now to put together not an if-come plan, but an income plan where we're going to walk them through a very detailed strategy that is going to check off the boxes of their concerns, but then also provide them with the means in which the income is going to fund their lifestyle. Hence, they now will be in control of their lifestyle because the portfolio now is being arranged and managed according to what they're looking to do in retirement. I like that if come idea. That's really valid. That is so valid. It happens all the time. And it's just, it's just, again, one of those things where I see it all the time. You know, I, I think I've kind of mentioned this before. I, I, I have, don't, I don't think I could ever classify anybody's portfolio as being wrong. 
they're just simply incomplete. They're just missing a couple of key elements. And if, if we just, if we just understand the critical element of working with the right specialist who's trained to not just see assets, but who's trained to ask the questions, the concerns, um, what are we looking to solve? Um, if we've received money from, from mom and dad, how is this going to play into our overall income strategy? If we can just make a couple of the tweaks here and there and work with somebody who understands how the IRS gets involved, we can really truly make that transition away from if come right to an income, a solid income plan. All that having been said, you mentioned <laughs> already 2022. It, it was a it was a terrible year. It was yep. a scary year. Yes. What could an advisor have done at the beginning of last year? If you if you think back, we uh, I think it was back on episode 32. I think it was called retirement in 2022, something like that. I know that we did it in the first quarter of, of last year and, and kind of shared a few thoughts just to try to help our listeners kind of key on a couple of things. You know, we talked about, you know, this was when the Fed started to, started to get very active in their meetings and how they're going to start doing the quantitative tightening, right? And raising interest rates to battle inflation and everything. Well, you know, so we started talking about on that episode, we, tar- we started talking about, well, volatility had already started raising its, its ugly head. It's things that are already starting to get a little bit volatile at that moment. And then we talked about the damage that inflation was going to do on people's spending power. And then also, you know, then no matter what the markets are doing, no matter what inflation is doing, we still always have the, the element of tax liability. For what happened, you know, the, the morning that Russia invaded Ukraine, I sent out about a four to five minute video message to all my clients who have assets under management with us. Because I want to take a very proactive approach because, you know, our clients who have their assets under management with us, they fully understand that that portfolio is structured structured specifically for them based upon their tolerance for risk. And of course, they understand, you know, this is residing in, in that bucket called the aggressive bucket where it can grow and it's liquid, but it can, it can have some ups and downs. So the point of that video message was to say, to say simply this, look, we just saw, we just saw the news that broke that Russia has now invaded Ukraine. This is not really a, a standard, typical economic situation. This could have some damaging effects in the market. So as you're looking at your account values over the days and weeks to come, and if we start to see this trend occur, then let's let's react. Let's start maybe maybe, maybe going into a defensive position right now for the time being. And, that, and Patrice, that's exactly what started happening. Clients started kind of responding back to me. Emails and phone calls started to come in. And they're like, you know what? Let's go ahead and do that. So what we did for them is we moved them out of their managed portfolio, simply into cash. It's not designed to grow, and it was not, but it was not going to lose anything. And in fact, when we did that, we also re, we removed their fees. No advisory fees, and they're safe, okay? And so the point of it is, is, is we are just so thankful that the fact that the, the team that I have to work with helped a lot of people avoid a lot of significant damage uh, that was caused last year. And now here we are, you know, with, with you know, the Fed continuing to raise interest rates, and now you're starting to see some maybe attractive um, vehicles that are offering a little bit more interest. Now what we're doing is we're moving them out of cash, but not right back into the market. Now we're kind of going through a little bit of a transition period where we are utilizing some money market funds, right? Again, still no advisory fees, but giving them some opportunity for you know a little bit of, of interest to be credited to their account. And again, we're not you know we're not blessed with foresight, and you know we're not market timers, but I just think it's so incredible. Uh, so in, so critical, I should say, that you know, for people to understand that we focus on our clients' funds with as much care as though these as though these funds are truly our own. 
people have been saying they're concerned about outliving their money. Mm-hmm. People are concerned about market volatility. Mm-hmm. Some other concerns that you hear about. You know, it's it's every now and then I hear that one about maybe inflation, or I hear about boy, you know, Tim, I've I've got this. 401k or you know, some other pre-tax type of account, and they get a little concerned with tax liability, right? So it's it just, I think it really is, it all goes back to the point of, you know, I think we talked about this back on episode 35. I know I'm referencing a couple of, of episodes here, but, you know, we talked about that one where we gave the illustration of the teeter-totter, right? We gave that a simple elementary illustration where I said, okay, take a pen and paper, draw a straight line left to right, and then halfway underneath that line, draw a little triangle. So basically you have a rough example of a teeter-totter, right? Mm-hmm. On one end, you've got your conservative holdings. These are the holdings that are safe and they're liquid. They're not designed for growth, but they're there for you when you need it. And they're going to be safe. Okay. Then you go to the other end of the teeter-totter. And over here, you've got that aggressive bucket. Now you've got those holdings, like I talked about before, managed money, stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, whatever, they're designed for growth. They're liquid, but watch out. <laughs> they can also have some element of loss, right? They're the aggressive bucket. And then in the middle of the teeter-totter, we've got the moderate bucket. And that's the bucket where these funds are designed to provide safety, but also the element of growth. So we give up a little bit of liquidity, but at the end of the day, that bucket's the one that can create income to maybe complement social security or a pension. Because again, what is really, oh man, it just, it just bothers me so much, Patrice, because of the fact that I just feel as though Wall Street has just not done a good job of properly educating people. It, most people realize after it's too late that Wall Street talks all the time about diversification, right? If diversification did exactly what it's intended to do to spread the risk, you know, avoid putting all your eggs in one basket, that type of thing, you know, again, it, if we had the understanding that we don't put all of our eggs in one basket, not per Wall Street's definition, but based upon the element of true diversification, having that teeter-totter perfectly in balance, that way then maybe we don't have as much of a fear about living our money. We don't have as much of a fear of maybe some market volatility. And then if we go to the third element, the, the element of taxes, before we can really address the tax issue, we want to make sure that we've taken the other fears away as well. Because again, at the end of the day, no matter how long we live or don't live, taxes will remain. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no matter um, you know how much volatility we, we have addressed and how, how big our volatility buffer you know, resides, there will still be that element of tax liability. So we certainly do address that. But again, we prioritize it by making sure that you know, we are building the walls of their financial house, if you will. Once the foundation of true diversification is poured and it's set in place, then we can build the walls of lifetime income, managing tax liability. How do we address you know, required minimum distributions? And then we put the roof on the house with a legacy. So all of that comes into play. But again, we, we address it in a systematic, methodical manner because it's all about making sure our, our portfolio is truly diversified with a balanced portfolio, a balanced teeter-totter. When prospective clients come in to see you, Tim, mm-hmm. do you find that they have similar concerns? Do they understand this building of the house you talk about? Uh, it's, that's a great question. It's and ironically enough, again, just to try to just to try to make it. Uh, I don't want to say this, you know, relatable to them. 
-hmm. I'll have them grab a piece of paper. And uh, it's just a fun little exercise to do. I say, okay, look, when I say go, take 10 seconds and draw a house for me. I'm not an art teacher and I'm not an art critic. Okay. So there's gonna be no grading here. Right. <laughs> and, and they do that. They do exactly what you're doing. They, they chuckle. Okay. Go. And 10 seconds later, I say, okay, stop. And if we're in person at their kitchen table, I say, show me your house. Okay. Or for virtual, I will literally stop sharing my screen and say, okay, hold up your notepad to the camera. I want to see your house. Okay. Here, here's what I've noticed. And the reason why I do that is because when I help them understand something they have probably not heard of before, I want them to associate the verbiage of what we're talking about, something they've not heard before with something as simple as a 10 second exercise of them drawing out their house. And now I say, okay, you've, you've drawn your house. You've got the door, you've got a, you've got um, two windows. Some people draw a chimney with some smoke. Some people draw, um, you know, some flowers in the front. Some people have a dog. I mean, they got 10 seconds, so it's not really that elaborate. Right. But the point of it is That's more I can put in, in 10 seconds, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the point of it is, is they have not seen this before in most cases. What have they been taught over these all the years, all, over all these years? Well, you need to diversify this. You need to move money out of this. You need to move money over this. You're just basically shuffling things around. But at the end of the day, if you apply the teeter-totter example and understand the differences between conservative, moderate, and aggressive, now all of a sudden, yeah, we might have less of our holdings and equities and more in bonds, but at the end of the day, where do we still reside on the teeter-totter? Mm -hmm. We're still in the, in the aggressive bucket. And, it, and so I, I, what has really helped people is when we help them with that little bit of a visual aid so they can think about that you know, after I leave their house at the kitchen table or for after we shut off the cameras on our Zoom conversation and, and we have a few days prior to our next conversation, it just plants that seed to help them understand that the wealth manager that we may have used to help us build our wealth may not be the right professional to work with to help us distribute our wealth. Right. And that's what we simply try to tell people. I, I know you've, we've talked about this before. When you think of you know, all the kids, all the students who go into to medical school, right? They all go in as students. They all come out as doctors, okay? But that's where the, where the commonality ends. They're all doctors, but a handful of them are primary care physicians. A handful of them are neurologists, cardiologists, whatever the case may be. They have that ist at the end of them. Well, unfortunately, in the world that I live in, we don't have a referral system. <laughs> so that's where it's so critical for people to understand that, a financial advisor is not necessarily a retirement income specialist, but every retirement income specialist is a financial advisor. So how do we kind of help with that transition? Because this is a big deal for people. So we kind of just help with that transition by just implementing little things like the teeter-totter, drawing of the house, help them understand that you have assets everywhere, but those assets aren't what's gonna, are not what you're going to want to use to drive your retirement. You want income from those assets to drive your retirement lifestyle. So we just try to bring those little elements again, just to try to help them ramp up their level of knowledge and understanding. So that leads them to that decision that says, yes, this is exactly what we're looking for. And now we can start checking off those concerns off that list and implement a great income planning strategy for them. When a prospective client comes in and they show you what they have from a previous advisor or their current advisor, mm -hmm. and you see something that, well, maybe isn't quite what you would do. How do you react? How do you respond to that? Well, a lot of times what we will do is, you know, when we're looking at 
you know, like for example, the, the first conversation is kind of general. It's, it's uh, you know, well, this is the assets that we have and this is what we're looking here to help me fully understand not only what's going on with their concern, but also to make sure that I'm going to be considered to be a good fit. Um, here come the questions, right? And I kind of, I kind of, re, you know, kind of try to prep people for that. Look, you, I don't want you to feel like you're, you're underneath a, a bright light and I'm interrogating you, but there's, there's a reason we do this because of the fact that I want to make sure that I'm a good fit for somebody. And the only way I know how to do that is to make sure that I fully understand what they have. So whenever they, whenever we are hat, you know, whenever we have the ability, I should say, to exercise our fiduciary responsibility to them. The only way in which we do that is if we truly understand that they are committed to getting that second opinion. You know, I, unfortunately, I don't want this to sound rude, but, you know, I don't have extra time throughout my day just to maybe just have a conversation with people who are maybe just kicking the tires, right? If we want to have a conversation and they kind of want to pick my brain about this or that, well, fine, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, you'll get some very shallow and some vague answers. That's fine. But if people are truly serious about getting that second opinion, or if they've never worked with a professional before and they're trying to figure out who to work with and they're bringing their statements, um, that's where we, we start going through the discovery conversation to understand where are they at with their, their, their level of seriousness? Where are they at with their um, ability to commit to wanting to learn more? Are they, are they understanding that, again, just because I'm working with a current advisor or not, now the question remains, okay, am I with the right advisor? Am I, am I with the right firm? And just a real quick example of this, it, it, I literally just had this a few days ago. I'm, I'm talking to a prospect in another state. She's about 1,200 miles away from here. And she had inherited some money from her mom. And her mother passed away at the age of 82 in August of 2020, okay? Now, to most people, I just shared two numbers, right? 82 and August of 2020, 2020, right. 2020 sorry, to put an extra 20 in there. But to me, that tells me a lot about the value, or I should say the characteristic of that inherited IRA. And here's why I say that, because the very next thing that she said made me realize that unfortunately she was receiving some wrong information. She had said that, and I understand that I have to exhaust this account by the 10th year of my, mom, my mother's passing, which is exactly right. So if her mom died in 2020, by the IRS laws, that account has to be completely exhausted. Principal plus any gains completely all has to be empty by 2030. But then she said, but my CPA, my former advisor, and my current advisor have told me that I don't have to take required minimum distributions out of the account. So again, this is our first conversation. I don't simply, I don't want to be, you know, rude or confrontational in my first conversation. So I basically just said, okay, no problem. I'll make a note of that. And we'll come about, we'll come full circle in our next conversation. And we did. So my second conversation with her, um, she had shared that with me again, on our first conversation. So to kick off the second one, I had a document on my screen and I said, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news. However, let me show you something here. And I showed her, I showed her a document that said, when a death occurs after 2019 and the IRA owner had already started taking distributions, the non-spouse beneficiary, i.e. her, right? The daughter of the mother must continue to take RMDs each year and then exhaust the entire account by year 10. And she paused, Patrice, she looked at the camera and she says, Tim, 
I'm so upset. She goes, not at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. She said, I'm just so discouraged by the fact that three different professionals told me the wrong information. She goes, I had no idea. And I said, you know, I, I called her by name. I said, I know that I know how that feels. I said, so let me share with one more thing with you. And the reason why I said that is because, you know, I didn't want her to feel like here I am again, saying what she was doing was wrong. It was just, again, it was incomplete. It, it, the advice she was given was, was wrong. And then I took it one step further by saying, and oh, by the way, with you turning 65 next year and needing to go on Medicare, <laughs> your Part B premium is determined by how much income you receive. And how does the inherited IRA gets taxed? It gets taxed as income. So now she's like, holy cow, so what am I going to do? So needless to say, we walked through a little bit of a, of a conversation. And shortly after that conversation ended, she sent over all of her statements via my Dropbox. And we are now working on that for her. We're working on the strategy. We're addressing and, and verifying all the tax classifications. And we are now going to be moving, moving forward with her to give her that plan that says, okay, we're going to keep you compliant with the IRS. We're going to do everything that we can to avoid your Medicare Part B premium from increasing. But if it does have to increase, we're going to make sure we take full advantage of that so we don't go any higher than we need to. But but, but I guess hopefully I answered your question, Patrice. I'm not sure that I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's just from the standpoint of, you know, she sent me a document, a 46-page document of assets that she owns, inherited, owned, tax-deferred, taxable, et cetera, and the advisor held multiple designations. Mm. And it was just, it just jumped off the page to me to say, okay, once again, I don't ever, ever want to come across as acting like I, I know everything because I do not. And, and you can, if, if I ever, if anybody ever thinks that, call my wife, promise you, you she'll, <laughs> she'll set you straight. Okay? <laughs> but, but my point of sharing that is, is this quite simply, we surround ourselves with resources. I, I am attending two different workshops, either virtually or in person each year, working with a team of professionals who is being led by a 40 year CPA with um, you know, estate planning attorneys on his staff with certified financial planners on his staff who provide me with 400 page workbooks at every workshop. We are going through this page by page and deciphering all of the different code from the IRS. Because again, when we find out about something, a lot of times it's too late and there might be a penalty involved, a financial penalty involved. So that's, that's where we just, we don't really, that's why I talk, I try to talk to people from the standpoint of saying, look, I'm not trying to be aggressive, not trying to put you on the spot, but if you're serious about finding out about how to create the income plan that you want, we have to see statements. I can't just put together a, a, you know, an income plan with a fiduciary responsibility based upon what you've shared with me. I have to see numbers. I have to see statements. I need to see state state, you know, that the tax classifications of funds, because that's, that's the only way we're able to, you know, exercise a fiduciary responsibility to them, which they should have. They, they should have the opinion of a professional who has their best interests in mind. So therefore, that's how we are able to kind of transition to that is making sure, hey, let's look through the statements. You're still under no obligation. But I firmly believe that when they start to see the plan that we, we will put together for them, addressing their concerns, protecting them from volatility, making sure they've got sources of income they can never outlive, that ultimately starts to re- kind of resolve their concerns a little bit, puts them in the driver's seat of their portfolio or over their lifestyle, not the portfolio. And all of a sudden you, you start to see that person saying, okay, yep, I'm with the right, I'm with the right entity now. Let's move forward. You mentioned the word fiduciary. Talk about that. The fiduciary is something that is so critical. The fiduciary is where the, that professional 
is held to a level of ethics and also by law that the recommendation must be in the client's best interest. In other words, you know, advisors are compensated a couple of different ways. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier when we moved our, the majority of our clients' money, I think, like I said, I think there was about 70 to 75% of our clients' money that we moved into cash because the majority of my clients, three quarters of my clients were like, hey, I don't want to lose much more to this volatility in 2022. So let's move it off the side. We removed our fees. Okay. That's one way an advisor gets compensated is by a fee structure. The second is by earning commissions. And commissions normally are not paid out by the client. They're normally paid by maybe an example of an insurance company, right? When we work with, uh, maybe we have an asset-based long-term care strategy, or maybe we have a life insurance plan put into place because we want to have some type of tax-free benefit for the kids or the grandkids. Or a lot of times too, we implement you know, a, a lifetime income strategy by using a fixed indexed annuity. So therefore, when we implement those types of products, commissions are paid from the insurance company and not out of the client's account. Having said all that, the professional is held to a level of being a fiduciary, not chasing the almighty dollar by how much can I earn based upon fees and commissions, but by sitting down and going through that very detailed, thorough, uh, multiple conversations with a client and having taken copious notes from the standpoint of understanding not only what their assets are and what the tax classifications are, but again, Patrice, I think is more important is what do they want to do with those assets? How do they want to live in retirement? You know, when I ask that question, okay, you're getting ready to retire or you're already retired. You know, what's retirement? Describe retirement for me. Well, we need to do some traveling. Okay. Where? Across the street, across the globe. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, where are we going to, so, I mean, my point is to help me be a fiduciary for them and making sure that the element, the plan is in their best interest. We really go deep into those questions. And it's, it's, it's not from the standpoint of trying to be an annoyance or again, to try to make them feel as though they're being interrogated. It's for the fact that in order for me to exercise my wonderful responsibility of being a fiduciary is we are going to serve them with our best interests when we're able to understand fully, not only about their philosophy of the money, but what the money needs to do for them. So therefore, once again, it, it's so incredible, incredibly important. I firmly believe that, yeah, it might, it might be neat to, to work with an advisor who might have a bunch of alpha, you know, alphabet letters behind his or her name, but more importantly, you want to look for that fiduciary responsibility. Tim, there is so much here. Great food for thought. Someone reach you if they have questions. Well, they can reach me a couple different ways. Uh, number one, by phone. Our phone number here at my office is area code 309-291-0491. And then they can also send me an email at tim at thewhistleragency.com. Still no T in Whistler. <laughs> and they can also still go uh, to our website, which is thewhistleragency.com. And listeners, if you found this in Div, be sure to follow this podcast and contact Tim and share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. Pursuant to IRS Circular 230, it is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. For insurance products discussed, guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company.